Okay, so today we'll uh, take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. We'll get started with Deuteronomy chapter 5. And uh, this is an important chapter, uh, not only in Deuteronomy, but also in the Bible, uh, because it speaks about the Ten uh, Commandments, uh, which lays down uh, God's will uh, in different areas of our life, in terms of our relationship with God, and also our relationship with the community uh, that we live in. So uh, in verses 1 through 6, we can look at some uh, introduction uh, to the Ten Commandments. And 7 through 21, uh, Moses uh, outlines the Ten uh, Commandments uh, as given by God to him. Then we see the response of the Israelites, uh, followed by the response of God. Then we have the conclusion at the very end. Okay, so maybe uh, someone can read verses 1 through 6, which is the introduction to this chapter, yes. Okay, so we're looking at book of uh, Deuteronomy, where Moses uh, is continuing his uh, exhortation to the second generation of uh, Israelites. And he is kind of repeating uh, some of the <coughs> uh, commandments uh, that were given to the uh, in the earlier case. So we see that Moses uh, is speaking to Israel. And we'll continue with that. Okay, so we see that these commandments uh, were given by God. And even though they were given more than uh, 3,500 years back, uh, they are still very relevant for us, uh, even today. So God, uh, in his wisdom, he captured uh, all of it in 10 commandments at uh, that time. And Moses makes it clear that it is not only given for that generation, but it is also given for future uh, generations. So even for us, uh, it provides us with a good uh, framework uh, in terms of what God expects from us, uh, in terms of our relationship to him and also to others. And these are God's uh, absolute standards. So God is not giving us a recommendation or he's not giving us an opinion. Uh, these are what it says, uh, commandments, which means uh, we are expected to obey. God is telling us what we should be doing, and that is the expectation from the Israelites. So as we saw earlier in chapter 4, uh, we are not allowed to uh, subtract or add anything to what God says. Uh, whatever God says, we simply uh, submit and we simply obey without making any changes. And in Exodus 31 and verse 18, it says, he gave unto Moses uh, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, uh, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, uh, written uh, with the finger of God. So we see that God is himself uh, is communicating this message uh, to Moses, and Moses is passing on that message uh, to the people uh, of Israel. And that is what should happen uh, all the time. We should not speak our mind. Uh, we should not speak uh, what is uh, our ideas, but we should always get the message uh, from God. And that is the message that should be communicated to the people. And that was the role of the prophets and leaders in the Old Testament. And that should be the principle even today. So in the New Testament, we see that the Lord, uh, it says, I will put my laws uh, into their hearts and in their minds uh, will I write them. So in the Old Testament, uh, God gave Moses uh, two tablets of stone, and he wrote it uh, with his finger. And in the New Testament, uh, we see that we see a higher standard where the laws are written in our hearts, 
and it is written in our minds uh, once we are born again. And Moses uh, is serving as the mediator between God and the people of Israel. And we see that the people of Israel were afraid and they were also told to uh, be at a distance uh, from God. So Moses uh, acted as a mediator uh, between God and man. And when we come to the New Testament, we see that the Ten Commandments are summarized uh, in two commandments that we know, the two greatest commandments. Uh, you should love the Lord and you should love your neighbors. And everything that we do in life uh, can be captured in those two commandments. And even if you are able to follow those two commandments, uh, our life would be a blessing to us. It will also be a blessing to others. And Moses tells us uh, how we must respond uh, to the Ten Commandments. Uh, we should hear them. Uh, Moses uh, is speaking to his people, so they are expected to hear. They are expected to learn uh, these commandments. Uh, it could be by repetition, which he reinforces later on, uh, that these commandments uh, need to be uh, visible. They need to be uh, readily seen so that we don't easily forget and we need to keep them or we need to practice them uh, in order to reap the blessings. And later on, we see that uh, the first uh, time the commandments are given, uh, when Moses uh, came down, he saw that uh, they got uh, impatient and they made that uh, golden calf and they were dancing around the calf. And Moses was very upset. And at that time, uh, he broke the two tables uh, or that had the commandments, uh, as we read in Exodus uh, 32 and verse 19. So we see that uh, during the time uh, when Moses was given the commandments, it was around 40 days. But even within those 40 days, uh, people of Israel, uh, they had already broken uh, the second commandment, which was not to make uh, any images. So the first uh, set of uh, commandments, or so the two tablets of stone, uh, they were broken by Moses. And later on, uh, they were replaced, as we read in Exodus uh, 34 and verse 1. The Lord said unto Moses, uh, hew the two tables of stone, uh, just like the first one. And I will write upon these tables the words uh, that were in the first tables, uh, which thou breakest. So God was merciful to the people of Israel, and he was willing to give them uh, the same thing uh, when Moses interceded for the people of Israel. And these commandments are also kept in the Ark of the Covenant, as we read in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 5. And we also read in verse 4 uh, that the Moses, uh, as we read in verse 4, uh, the Lord talked with you face to face. and But in the Bible, when we read uh, different portions, we see that we cannot really see God, uh, as we see in Deuteronomy 4.12. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of fire. He heard the voice, but he saw no uh, similitude, only he heard a voice. So the Lord was speaking, but uh, there was no visible form uh, that was seen. And again, in Exodus 33 and verse 20, it says, uh, Thou cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And again, in Exodus 33, 23, it says, And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face 
shall not be seen. And again in John 1.18, no man hath seen God at any time. And John 4.24, that God is a spirit. So here when it says uh, face to face, uh, we can interpret that uh, that God was communicating with them uh, directly. He was communicating with Moses uh, directly in a very personal way, uh, in a very intimate way. So even today, uh, God is able to speak to us uh, just like uh, he spoke with Moses. And even as we read in the scriptures again and again that the Lord spoke to Moses, uh, in the same way, uh, the Lord is able to speak to us uh, very clearly. Uh, he is able to give us clear uh, directions uh, in terms of the decisions that we need to make uh, and so on. So as we are reading these scriptures uh, in Deuteronomy, and as we see the Lord uh, interacting with Moses uh, in a very personal way, uh, we also need to look in our own life and see whether God is uh, interacting with us, whether God is speaking to us, and if God is not speaking to us, uh, we need to examine our lives and see if there is any sin in our life, which is preventing the Lord uh, from communicating with us. So once we are born again, uh, we can be confident that the Lord will speak to us. And the only reason the Lord will not speak is that if there is any unconfessed sin uh, in our life. Okay, and in verse 6, uh, it tells us that the Lord brought them out of the house of bondage. And we saw in uh, chapter 4, uh, Egypt was uh, compared to an iron furnace. So we see that God was their uh, redeemer. God was their deliverer. Uh, they were living in very uh, difficult and harsh uh, conditions uh, in Egypt. But God, uh, in his grace, in his mercy, he came and delivered them uh, using Moses as the leader. And since he uh, delivered them, uh, he is uh, entitled uh, to make some demands on the people of Israel. Uh, since he gave them uh, that freedom, uh, he also expects uh, something in exchange. And in this case, uh, he is asking for obedience uh, to the Ten Commandments. So if you have a choice between living in bondage and disobeying God, or living in freedom and obeying God, Obviously, freedom uh, is a better option, and that is the option that is given to people of Israel. Uh, God has delivered them, and in exchange, uh, he expects uh, obedience. Okay, And so the response to the law that is given, uh, the Ten Commandments and other laws that we see uh, in the Old Testament, the expectation is that people will obey. Uh, in the same way, uh, once we are born again, uh, once we receive the gift of salvation, uh, which is also a great gift, uh, just like the people of Israel were given the great gift of freedom, uh, we have been blessed uh, with the gift of salvation. And that also comes uh, with some uh, expectations, right? So we often read Romans 12, 1, where we are asked to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice uh, which is a reasonable service. So once we are born again, that is the expectation that we would live a life uh, that is fully committed to the Lord, which is fully surrendered uh, to the Lord. And we would offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, uh, which is a reasonable service. And in 1 Corinthians uh, 6.20, uh, it again says, for you are bought with a price, 
or we have been redeemed uh, with a price, which is the blood of Lord Jesus Christ. And since uh, such a high price has been paid, uh, it is reasonable for God to expect uh, something in return. And Paul says uh, we should glorify God uh, in our body and in our spirit, uh, which belongs to God. So if you are truly born again, uh, the true salvation experience uh, should be followed by uh, fruit or it should be followed by good works. So we see that uh, God has done a great work uh, in the life of Israelites. In the same way, the Lord has done a great work uh, in each one of our life. And in exchange for that, uh, we need to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. Uh, we need to live a life that glorifies him. And we need to live a life that is has some evidence uh, of good works and fruits in our life. Okay, just uh, one slide on this, but we can discuss a little bit later where we can compare the law and the new uh, covenant. And as we said earlier uh, in chapter four, uh, the laws were given uh, after redemption. The law was given uh, after the people or Israel were freed uh, from the land of bondage. So keeping of laws uh, does not lead to redemption because uh, the redemption has already taken place. Uh, the freedom has already taken place. So the laws were given so that they can enjoy uh, the presence of God. They can enjoy the blessings of God and they can enjoy the promised land. So, yeah. and in Galatians 3.11, it says, no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. And again, in Galatians 3.24.25, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster or under the law. So uh, in New Testament, we see that uh, true freedom uh, is possible uh, only by Christ. And true freedom is only by grace. And it is only by the faith uh, that we put uh, in the finished work on the cross. So we can uh, take this up later as a discussion where we can compare the law uh, and the new covenant. Uh, but as Paul reminds us uh, in different sections, uh, as believers, uh, we are not under the law, but we are under the new covenant, which is unconditional and which is simply based on grace. Okay, so now we come to the Ten Commandments, which we see uh, in the next uh, section. So we can uh, just take it one one at a time, so that we can keep up. Yeah. So these are the Ten Commandments that we see, and we also see that in Exodus chapter twenty, uh, and the Ten Commandments are followed by judgments. Then it talks about the sacrifices and so on. So uh, here we see it covered uh, in verses seven through twenty-one. Uh, it talks about no other gods, uh, no idols, not to take the Lord's name in vain, uh, to keep the Sabbath holy, to honor our parents, uh, no murder, no adultery, no stealing, no false witness, and no coveting. So uh, it begins with uh, no other gods or having uh, the highest, uh, giving highest priority to the Lord in our life. So he should be our desire. And it ends with no coveting, which means uh, we should not desire uh, anything that does not belong to us. 
So the first one uh, speaks about uh, complete uh, ownership and complete subjection to God. And the it ends by reminding us that we should not desire uh, anything else and we should not desire anything that is not given to us uh, by God. So we'll take this up one at a time. So, so the first commandment we see uh, in verse seven, uh, it says, uh, you will not have uh, any other gods uh, before me. So there can be uh, only one God uh, in our life. And if you have multiple gods, then it implies there is uh, idolatry. And the Bible speaks about the relationship between uh, Lord Jesus Christ uh, as our bridegroom and the church uh, as his bride. So if you have any other gods uh, in our life, uh, it is also an example of uh, adultery because you have uh, some other uh, love uh, in your life. So that is the first commandment that we should not have any other gods uh, besides, yeah. Yeah, maybe someone can read uh, number two, which we find in verses eight through 10. And this was also covered in chapter four, where Moses talked about not having graven images. Yeah. Okay, so we saw this uh, also in chapter four, where Moses uh, went into detail why we should not have graven images and what would be the consequence of having graven uh, images uh, in our life. And we also saw that Moses uh, made the argument that no one has really seen God. So if you are trying to create an image, uh, it is simply our imagination. Uh, it has nothing to do with uh, the reality, okay? And so we talked about should we permit uh, images in churches? So we talked about that and uh, here, why do curses uh, continue and why do blessings uh, continue? So we see that uh, in some families, uh, the curse uh, continues from one generation to the next. And in the same way, uh, in some families, uh, we see that the blessings uh, continue uh, from one generation to the next. So we'll see the reason for that. So uh, as we saw in chapter four, uh, here Moses is again uh, reinforcing that no images uh, that represent God uh, should be permitted. So we should not have any image of God uh, in our homes or in churches and so on. And God uh, is a jealous God. Uh, he expects a hundred percent love and also our complete uh, loyalty. And jealousy, as we saw earlier uh, in chapter four, uh, is a positive quality uh, in a lover. Uh, it shows that God loves us and he's also attached to us and he's not willing to share that uh, relationship uh, with anyone else. In verse uh, 9 and 10, uh, it speaks about generational blessings and curses. It says the iniquities will be passed on to the third and fourth uh, generation uh, if, they, uh, if they hate me or if they hate God. So the condition is that the curses uh, will continue to go from one generation to the next. Uh, if they continue to live uh, a life of rebellion, uh, if they continue to live a life uh, that, is, uh, uh, that is in disobedience uh, to God and to his uh, principles. So we can always uh, break the curse by coming to the Lord or by obeying the Lord. But if you continue uh, uh, worshiping idols from one generation to the next, then we will continue to be cursed. But at the same time, we see that mercy can flow 
from one generation to the next uh, if the next generation continues to obey God, right? So, so if our children uh, continue to honor God, then we would see God's mercy in their life. We would see God's blessings uh, in their life. But if our children are rebellious, then it's quite possible that uh, they would be chastened by God or they will incur uh, the blessings being taken away. So the curses and mercies, uh, they are not automatically being transferred from one generation to the next. Uh, those who hate, uh, Moses is saying they would be cursed and those who obey would enjoy mercy. So curses uh, in our life uh, can be reversed uh, by repentance. And that is what we find in the New Testament. Uh, the judgment of God can be reversed by confessing our sins and coming to a point of true repentance and putting our trust uh, in Lord Jesus Christ. In the same way, the blessings uh, can be lost uh, when we live a life of disobedience. So even after we are born again, uh, if we live a life that is uh, contrary to what the Lord expects, or if we become lukewarm in our faith, or if we simply drift away, then we can lose the blessings uh, that the Lord has kept for us. But we can see that uh, all of it can be reversed at any point uh, by simply uh, repenting because God is not only a God of justice, but he is also a God of mercy. And we see again and again that the Lord always uh, responds uh, when we repent and confess. Okay, so uh, just wanted to reinforce that uh, we cannot have any idols or images uh, in our churches and in our homes. So no matter how pretty uh, pretty they look, uh, no matter how uh, how they appear, uh, they may make the church look beautiful, but uh, we cannot have any idols or images. And Paul reminds us again in Romans uh, chapter 1, 22 and 23, uh, he says, uh, professing uh, themselves to be wise, they became fools and they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God uh, into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Okay, so that is what we see uh, in many uh, religions. Uh, they have reduced God uh, to something that is made by man. Uh, it could be birds, it could be beasts, it could be the sun, moon, and stars, and so on. But that is not the image of God. So man has corrupted the image of God by trying to create something uh, with, with their hands. And that is not acceptable to God. And God considers uh, such things as foolish. So any idol worship is also considered uh, foolish and not acceptable to God. So a God who is living uh, cannot be uh, represented by an idol. And we cannot have a relationship uh, with a dead idol. So there might be uh, many idols in different temples, uh, but those are simply uh, works of art or they are works of man. And you really cannot have a relationship uh, with a dead person, right? So idol is something that is dead. So you cannot have a relationship with a dead person. And our God is a living God, so he cannot be captured in an idol. And uh, 
Number three is commandment number three, which we find in verse 11. It says, uh, thou shalt not take the name of thy Lord, thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh uh, his name in vain. Okay, so uh, commandment number three tells us uh, we need to have uh, utmost reverence, uh, even to bring the name of God uh, into our lips. So it is not something that should be thrown out uh, very casually uh, in our conversations. Uh, as we see uh, in the world, many people uh, use the name of the Lord in vain, but that should not be the practice uh, among Christians. So, uh, so many Orthodox Jews, uh, when they are writing the word God, uh, they don't even write God. So some people would write G and they would put a parenthesis and then put a D. Uh, because they don't want to write the name God uh, with their own hands. So that is the kind of reverence uh, they have. They don't, they don't even want to take that step of expressing the name of God uh, in a written form. But oftentimes in the world, uh, we see even Christians, uh, they, they use the name of God oftentimes very casually uh, in conversations or when they are swearing or in vain. So obviously, that would be a violation of commandment number three, uh, which is not allowed by God. Uh, but in quotes, uh, we are allowed to swear in the name of God, as we read in Deuteronomy 6, uh, 13. Yes. Number four talks about Sabbath. Uh, maybe someone can read verse 12 through 15. Okay, so uh, when we talk about Sabbath uh, in relation to commandment number four, uh, it can go back to what we read in Genesis chapter two where the Lord worked uh, for six days, uh, then he took rest on the seventh day. So the Sabbath uh, seems to come from there. And the punishment for breaking uh, Sabbath uh, in the Old Testament laws uh, was uh, death. And it should also be rest for everyone. Uh, it is not simply rest uh, for the master or the rest for the landlord, but it should be rest for everyone. So as we read in Exodus 23, 12, uh, six days uh, thou shalt do thy work, and on the seventh day thou shalt rest. Uh, not only people, but it also says thine ox and thine ass may rest, and the son of thy handmaid and the stranger may be refreshed. So the seventh day uh, is seen as a day of rest, uh, a day of refreshing, a day of revival, uh, not just uh, for those uh, landlords and masters, but also for the servants and also for the cattle and livestock. And when we come to the New Testament, uh, we see a different uh, perspective uh, where Sabbath is not uh, mandated, but it is something uh, that is not mandatory. And in Hebrews uh, chapter 3, uh, 4 and 3, uh, it says, uh, those who have believed will enter uh, into rest. So the rest uh, that the New Testament speaks about uh, is the rest uh, that we can receive uh, through the gift of salvation. So once we receive that gift of salvation, uh, we have entered into that rest, uh, which is offered by Christ. So the other way of looking at us is that Lord Jesus Christ, he has already finished all the work uh, that needed to be done uh, when he died on the cross uh, for our sins. So when we believe uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we are able to enter into that rest, uh, which is not just for 
uh, a moment. Uh, it is not just for a day, but it is a rest that continues forever, uh, so long as we are in Christ. So the New Testament uh, perspective, it's a little bit different. Uh, it talks about it more from a spiritual standpoint, uh, that we are able to enter into rest uh, through the gift of salvation, uh, through the finished work that was done by Christ. But uh, so different people may have different viewpoints, but uh, uh, I feel that it's always good to take uh, one day off uh, from your work or whatever you're doing. And it's always good to keep that balance uh, for our mental, physical, and spiritual health. Uh, I feel that one day of rest and quietness uh, is a good thing to practice, whether you're fasting and praying or if you're simply spending time with the Lord or you're simply cutting off from the whatever you're doing for six days and keep that one day apart uh, to reflect on your life or to simply uh, rejuvenate yourself. So in the New Testament, Sabbath is not mandatory. So we should not uh, we should not look down on people uh, if they're not practicing Sabbath, uh, or they should not use the Old Testament text to say that we need to practice Sabbath. And Paul is very clear in his writings uh, in different sections. Uh, he talks about that uh, in Colossians uh, chapter 2, uh, 16 and 17. He says, let no man therefore uh, judge you in meat or in drink or in respect uh, of a holy day or the new moon or of the Sabbath days. So he is again uh, reminding us that we should not judge people uh, if they do not uh, keep the Sabbath day. Uh, because Sabbath itself was only a foreshadow of things to come. And it was fulfilled in Lord Jesus Christ, uh, as we read in Hebrews. And again, in Galatians uh, chapter 4 and 9 and 10, uh, he reminds us, But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, uh, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage, ye observe days. So one of the days could be the Sabbath with, with the Jewish people used to observe. So it should not become a tradition. Uh, it should not become like a bondage or a legalistic thing that we do. Uh, so Paul is reminding of that. And we saw this earlier in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. Uh, it speaks about a rest uh, to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased uh, from his own works as God did from his. Uh, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the example of unbelief. So it is the faith uh, in Lord Jesus Christ uh, that helps us to enjoy the rest uh, that is possible in Christ through a salvation experience. Uh, we can just do uh, five, then we can stop. Uh, so the five speaks about uh, honoring our parents. It says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So here again, uh, they are given, uh, Moses is giving them instructions uh, for the promised land and he is telling them, that they need to honor their parents. And if they do that, uh, God's favor would be upon their life. 
and they will also enjoy extended life uh, in the land. So, and Paul repeats that in Ephesians chapter six, uh, one through three, where he uh, talks about children honoring their parents. And when they do that, it comes with the blessing uh, of long life and God's favor. And also on the practical side, uh, when we observe, when children honor their parents, uh, it leads to homes that are stable and happy and peaceful. And if the homes are happy and stable, uh, it will translate to a church uh, which is healthy. Uh, it will translate to a community uh, that is healthy. And eventually, uh, it will lead to a society uh, and a nation that is stable and happy. So the reason why we see uh, so much of trouble uh, in our country, so much of trouble in our homes, and maybe so much of trouble in our churches and communities uh, is because the uh, foundation uh, is missing. Uh, the children are not honoring their parents or they're living a life of rebellion or they are going against uh, the commandments of God. So that leads to a home that is very uh, dysfunctional and, and, and those are the people who are coming to church. So the church itself gets polluted and they're not being uh, good witnesses. So the community also gets poisoned and eventually the whole nation uh, is becomes unstable. So we see that there is a lot of value uh, in the 10 commandments that the Lord is trying to teach uh, Moses and the people of Israel. And had they followed uh, these commandments, then obviously they would have built a society which would have been very strong and a nation that would have been very strong and families that would have been strong. So that's why Joshua said, uh, as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord. So that's the high standard that Joshua had. And because of that, uh, blessings would come. And when children are rebellious, uh, as we read uh, many times in the book of Proverbs, uh, they would bring shame uh, to their parents. And they will also bring shame uh, to the society. And they would also cause a lot of disruption and problems in the society and nations. And Paul wants that wants us that in the last days, uh, we would see much uh, disobedience to parents. And that is what we are seeing uh, in today's uh, society. Uh, there is a lot of rebellion uh, among the children uh, because they're not able to follow that simple command that we need to honor our parents. And because uh, they're not doing that, uh, they're also going to lose uh, the blessings and Bible makes it very clear that if you are not willing to honor our parents, uh, it would lead to much losses in our life, both spiritual and other losses. So there are different ways uh, in which we can honor our parents. Obviously, when we obey our parents, uh, we honor them. Uh, just like God expects uh, obedience, uh, parents also expect uh, obedience. So that's one way of honoring them. And of course, the obedience uh, should be done out of respect and out of love. Uh, it should not be an obedience because they are afraid or because they are doing it uh, legalistically. Uh, that obedience uh, should be inspired uh, by the respect they have for their parents and the love they have for their parents and also the love they have for God. And of course, we can honor our parents by serving them uh, in practical ways. So that should be the standard 
uh, among uh, Christian families, and that should be the model that we should set uh, among unbelievers and in this world. Thank you.